0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus.
1: Hello, my name is Campbell Seib. I will be reading John 15, 1 through 8. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me, And I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened and acted upon this is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes you mature as my disciples this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
0: campbell thank you for reading our scripture for us today well i hope that all of you are ready for a new year And that you are having a Merry Christmas. I say it that way because the Christmas season actually does not end until January 6th, which is the day of Epiphany. So that's a few more days. We still have our trees up here. I still have my tree up at home. I might still wear a Christmas sweater or two and watch Christmas movies for the next few days. So I would invite you to do the same. I like to enjoy the Christmas season as long as I can, but we usually observe epiphany on the first Sunday of a new year. It's a day when we remember the magi, the wise men who came to visit Jesus and bring him gifts. And epiphany means divine manifestation. Jesus came to manifest the goodness and the glory of God in our midst. And so this gospel reading today that Campbell just read clearly illustrates Jesus' desire to be in covenant relationship with us. I'll mention that he read from the message translation. I love the message, um, and from time to time, I think it really brings the scripture to life in a new way, and so that's why I chose that for this morning. The text that he read is a piece of Jesus's final message to his disciples. By the next evening, he would be crucified on the cross. But if you look in John 14, right before this, he has been with his disciples in the upper room, he's washed their feet, he has predicted his betrayal, and he has just told them that he is leaving them soon. But he says that I'll send my Holy Spirit to be with you, to reveal truth to you, to sustain you. And so at the very end of chapter 14, he says, let's go from here. He's ready to leave the upper room and head to the Mount of Olives. Now, I imagine this scene being the confused disciples, they're not sure about what they've just heard, they're probably scared and nervous, and so they're following him through the streets of Jerusalem, and as they would go through Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives, they would likely pass ancient vineyards. And so as was his custom, Jesus uses pictures and ideas that were part of the religious heritage of the Jewish nation to help them understand. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that a vine was often used as a symbol for the nation of Israel. Well, now Jesus is using that same symbol and redefining its meaning with a new covenant. And so I imagine them standing in the midst of a vineyard, and Jesus says to them, I am the real vine, and God is the gardener. And so what he's doing is he's using the imagery of a vine to symbolize how our Christian life is shaped by love and how it's intertwined with the presence of God and and Jesus. And he offers these three components that work together to make this reality for us in our lives. He says that we will be pruned so that we may abide with Christ and bear fruit for God's glory. So for all of this to make a little more sense, it's helpful if we have some understanding of grapevines. Now, my personal experience with grapevines is quite limited. Um, last year, my husband Luke told me about these grapes that were his favorite grapes of all time. He had found them in a local grocery store, but they were very limited in the season, and so he was having trouble finding them again. And he researched and discovered that he could order them online. Now, because grapes are perishable, I was a little uncertain about how this was going to work. And so you can imagine my surprise when he called me one day and excitedly said they'd been delivered, and I needed to go and find them. So I find this largish box on our front porch, and it's labeled Live Plant. Well, he was expecting bags of grapes, and so I was expecting bags of grapes, however that would work in the mail. Now, you need to know, we don't really do live plants at our house. We have a very poor track record so far of such things. Um, but I decided to give it a try because it was important to him and so we put it on the back porch and I watered it and it did grow quickly, for sure. It even survived our snowmageddon that we had last February. And so it eventually graduated to a larger pot as it grew and I put it in our front yard so that it could have a little more room to grow. Now I'll tell you that it has since departed from our home. Um, it was mistaken for a weed. One of our wonderful children was pulling weeds, as we had asked him to do, and it was mistaken for a weed. So it is, it is no more at the Morales house. Um, but I want to give you another quick overview of grapevines, since I don't have a picture of mine to show you. This photo, you can see that the vine is actually the trunk part that grows out of the ground. And the branches are where the fruit is produced. I think we often think the vine is actually the smaller part that are the branches, but the vine is actually the larger thing that looks more like a tree. Now, grapevines and branches need a lot of attention, a lot of care, and they're actually not even considered mature enough to produce fruit until like year three of their lives. But a branch's ability to produce growth increases as long as there is what's called pruning, A plant like this can grow so vigorously and be so dense that the sun cannot even reach the area where the fruit should form. So in Greek, the word pruning means to cleanse, to cut back the branches to the bare stem. And so pruning is what encourages new growth. The dead and unnecessary branches are removed so that they don't drain the plant's strength, but even the branches that do bear fruit are cut back as well. So for those branches that remain, a gardener will come along and gently lift them up. They can't grow fruit very well if they're on the ground, in the dirt and mud. And so a gardener will lift them and put them on a trellis or perhaps on some sticks, and it'll continue to grow. And so what we see is this vital interdependence between the vine, between the branches, and the gardener. It's essential if it's going to bear fruit. And so in a similar way, God doesn't just throw us away. God doesn't abandon us. God comes along and lifts us up, cleans us off, and helps us to flourish. Now, pruning doesn't mean that our lives will shrink. Because it's not just about taking away. Pruning is actually what liberates us. Because we have to learn to not focus on what we leave behind, but look forward with hope to more fruit that we can bear with joy. And so I wonder if we're often all leaves and no fruit, if we're words but no actions. So maybe think about what is it that drains your time and your energy away from what's important and needs to go? What needs to be pruned in your life? Because as we stay connected to the vine, as we trust and as we learn from the life-giving word of Jesus, God is faithful and will purposefully be at work Adding strength and productivity to our lives. But in the pruning process, God will slow us down. God will deepen our roots and give us a new direction. And how we respond to that makes all the difference. Because Jesus says, Abide in me. God is the one that does the pruning, but the abiding part is up to us. In the text, Jesus knows that he's about to leave his friends. But he also knows that he must say, we need to be together. You need to be together with me, because he knew the fruit that they were about to be called to bear, and he knew that they could not do it without him. Because Jesus is the source of our identity and fruitfulness. To abide means to stay closely connected to him. It means deliberately arranging our lives so that we never go a day with a chance to forget him and who he is in our lives. I think we've often become really good at doing for God, but we're not always as good at being God's friend. Because God wants us to be more with him. And if we're not abiding, then we begin to wither and we die spiritually. But when we abide in God's love, we feel nourished, we feel cherished, we want to be in God's presence. And so what matters is what's happening on the inside of us. It's less about the activity that we're doing and more about the living relationship we have with Jesus. To abide with Christ, we have to go where he's going, and that means being obedient. But it's a joyful obedience because it's a joy to join with Christ, to know and to be known by God. And so we experience that joy and we remain in relationship with Jesus as we allow God's word to abide in us. That's what a covenant relationship is. We become one with Christ and one with each other as we live lives marked by love. And that brings us to the final thing that Jesus talks about, bearing fruit for God's glory. There are two kinds of fruit to consider. There's inner fruit and outer fruit. The inner fruit is about our character, who we are, and how we allow God to nurture Christ-like qualities within us. If you look in Galatians chapter 5, you'll find a whole list of them, and they're appropriately named the fruit of the Spirit. Outer fruit is about what we do to bring glory to God. Basically, the way that we love others and we point them to God as they are formed into disciples alongside us. Now, you don't typically see grapes like this, right? You don't see them all alone by themselves. We see grapes in clumps together. And that's how we're designed to live as Christians, in community, because God created us to need each other. There are no freestanding individuals in the community of Christ, because it's about who we can be together as we love Jesus together. We all grow from one central vine, and we are tended equally by a gardener. It's love that enables us to find abundant life. It's love that enables us to thrive in relationship with God and with one another, because each of us is a branch that produces some level of fruit. It might be zero, or it might be much, as Jesus calls us to do. And so I'd invite you to think about today, how much fruit do you see in your life today? It's interesting if you look at verse 8, the very last verse of the passage we looked at today, if you look at other translations, Jesus says, Bear much fruit and become my disciples. It's confusing because he's talking to his disciples. He is talking to these men who are his dearest friends, who have walked with him and eaten with him and watched him do ministry and miracles. So, why would he say to them, Become my disciples? Well, the Greek word there means keep on becoming my disciples because it's a continual process. It's a continual process of going deeper, of drawing closer, of committing to Christ over and over again. Because God actively tends our lives so that we will keep growing in our harvest of fruit. But we, the branches, have to respond to those attentions of the gardener. And so this year, as we begin anew, ask yourselves these questions What needs to be pruned from your life? What needs to go? How will you abide with Christ in this year? And what evidence of fruit do you see in your life? That's what this covenant service today is all about. It's a time for us to repent, a time for us to gain focus and clarity, and most importantly, a time for us to recommit in our covenant to God. Because the good news is that in the midst of 2020 and 2021 and the dumpster fires they felt like at times and their challenges God's covenant with us and God's faithfulness to us have not changed. They have not changed. And so in this new year, we have an opportunity to say, God, my covenant with and my faithfulness to you won't change. Because we belong to each other. May that be our resolution as we intentionally seek to love God and to love others in this year. Thanks be to God. Amen.